2: This is a crowd podcast.
3: Madam Chairwoman, Mr. Ranking Member, honorable members of the committee. My name is Steve Huffman. I am the co-founder and CEO of Reddit, and I'm pleased to talk with you today about how Reddit works and what we have seen on our site in the past few weeks. It is tragic that some people lost money and my heart goes out to them
0: but they exploited an opportunity social media platforms like reddit youtube and twitter are leveling the playing field
1: it's scary as as an investor it's become a game it's like las vegas and you know those who are playing it are somebody's going to get hurt
3: it's february the 18th 2021 We're in Washington, D.C., the heart of American politics, and members of one of the U.S.'s top social media websites are being questioned by the House Committee on Financial Services. Sitting on the other side of the table, watching them closely and listening to their every word, are some powerful men, like this guy. It's
0: scary as as an investor.
3: And this one.
0: They exploited an opportunity. Us at Melvin will adapt, and I think the whole industry will have to adapt.
3: That last fellow's name is Gabriel, or Gabe, Gabe Plotkin. He's the founder and CIO of a hedge fund on Wall Street called Melvin Capital. Gabe lives his life betting on stocks and making investments, and he is swimming in it. A reported net worth of $400 million. One morning, about a month before he's called to testify in the House of Representatives, Gabe wakes up to a shock. Overnight, his company, Melvin Capital, has lost billions of dollars. And the reason why is this. It's to do with a company called GameStop.
0: We are seeing a phenomenon that I have uh, never seen.
3: GameStop skyrocketed, going from $3 in April to nearly 350 today. The media can't get enough. CNBC's talking about it. It's all over CNN, New York Times, Washington Post. Gabe's hedge fund, Melvin Capital, will eventually sustain losses of 52% in the month of January. And trading platforms will temporarily block people from buying shares in this one particular company called GameStop. And a few days later, something kinda weird happens on TV screens across America. An ad pops up during the Super Bowl game. It's only there for five seconds, so you have to pause the screen to read what it says. It's four short paragraphs, surrounded by an orangey-red border. One thing we learned from our communities last week is that underdogs can accomplish just about anything when they come together around a common idea. Powerful things happen when people rally around something they really care about. And there's a place for that. It's called Reddit. Reddit. One of the top 10 most popular websites in the U.S., 52 million daily users, over 2.8 million communities. In late 2020, a tiny inconsequential comment is posted on the site, on one of these communities called Wall Street Bets. A few months later, Gabe Plotkin and his hedge fund pals have lost billions of dollars. How? That's what I want to know. Now, I'm a Twitter guy. I'm on there all the time in the name of research, but it's really procrastination. And I'm pretty much indulging myself in Soviet nostalgia from the 60s and 70s. Or I'm looking at flashback.com to indulge in uh, my 80s childhood. And I get that whole scene there, but I don't really understand Reddit. I mean, I've dabbled a little bit. Like sometimes if I'm looking up a uh, entertainer I like, I might stumble onto Reddit on their Ask Me Anything Q&A uh, section, but I don't really understand that whole community. And I want to find out. I want to learn about this thing. And I'm dragging the rest of you with me. This is a story of digital communities and real human connection.
1: Part of my fascination with exploring an adventure, you know, once I discovered Reddit, I realized that this was a kind of a self-contained ecosystem.
3: And it's gonna be a lot harder to crack into than Wikipedia, but when we do, we'll find some real freaky stuff.
1: We had a guy who literally spent two hours one day telling me how the Holocaust was all BS.
3: And it gets pretty dark.
0: Put enough people in the same room, tell them to sing the same chant, and after a while you've got, you know, you've got yourself a problem.
3: We're going to be asking ourselves big questions about where we want to be headed as a society.
2: Now we're all glued to our phones all the time, and we understand the ways that the online and offline are intrinsically married
3: talking to the people behind this lesser known, but very powerful site.
0: And people are just not the same when they're online. I am not the same when I'm online. I'm slightly the same, but I'm not the exact same person.
3: And asking if Reddit is a mirror held up in front of us all, a mirror that shows everything that comes with being human, the beautiful and the not so beautiful. This is .com, Reddit land, episode one, GameStop. So let's get into this little scenario here. Reddit, Googling it now. Dive into anything it's saying. Let's see. Okay, um, busy, busy little screen here. We have the the Reddit logo, the little smiley-faced alien thing up in the upper left-hand side. Um, kind of hard to navigate. So right across the top, we're seeing... Um, Uh, Something about a wrestler named Samoa Joe, there's something about President Joe Biden's speech, and then just a very old school looking kind of remedial 90s style format of uh, topics, kind of bulletin boards. Um, Good morning, people of the UK, what do you typically have for breakfast? Oh, here's another one. What do you say when you orgasm? Already I'm hooked into both both of those items. So it looks like people can upvote or downvote posts, depending on their whims. And the most upvoted post of the day is a clip of a horse playing dead whenever someone tries to ride it. And I tell you what, this horse that just collapses underneath the weight of any human being not only falls to the ground, but sticks out its tongue in a very method acting fashion. That is one dead looking horse. There's some interesting threads, sure. A lot of it, though, just seems like people are bored. It's just kind of inane chit-chat. I don't really know where to start,
2: so I do some digging. I think of Reddit as a holding pen for different communities and forums. This is Amelia Tate. So kind of like Wikipedia, where you would search the topic you were interested in and find it, you could pretty much do the same thing with Reddit, except instead of information, what you're going to find is opinions um, and experiences and stories. Amelia's a journalist based in London. She spends
3: her days writing about Reddit. She figures it's a goldmine for fascinating, unheard human stories.
2: I'm pretty much fascinated by, uh, not to be impolite to the people that have uh, featured in my articles, but anything a little bit weird and strange, and the way that we use the internet to form these communities that might actually be quite difficult to form in real life. So I'm chatting to her to see if she can help me out. In Reddit in general, you're only as much as your last comment, the last thing that you've said. The words that you've just said are who you are, because there's not really typically a picture associated with your face. There's not really a, this is who I am. You are your words. And there are obviously certain individuals who become famous or well-known, either for the ways in which they troll, the stories they tell. But I think on the whole, it's, it's not the same as most other social networks.
3: So Reddit's about your words, not your identity. That's different. Looking at the front page again, I can't really tell who's written the post. All I can see is their username. But those are written really small and are really obscure like user Starry RZ or user N8 the Great. So people are anonymous. Faces are murky. What matters is your words. People write posts, and other users decide what to upvote and what to downvote. The ones with the most upvotes climb to the front page, so today, it looks like that video of the horse is the most popular. It seems pretty chaotic, but Amelia explains that there is some order to it. Within the site, there are subcommunities devoted to particular interests. There are big ones like politics or world news. And then there are smaller, more niche ones.
2: A forum for knitters would be called knitters. A forum for fans of the podcast Serial would be called Serial Podcast. Uh, But sometimes they could be a little bit obscure. So subreddit for weed is called trees. These are called subreddits, Amelia tells me, or
3: subs. You can tell a sub because it's written with an R, with a slash in front of it. So let's say you join the sub r slash Katie Puckrick fans and you write a post saying, oh, it's just dawned on me how smart and hilarious Katie Puckrick is. And then boom, 56,000 upvotes later and I'm top of the front page. Not that I'm putting any ideas in your head. There's one particular subreddit I'm interested in. It's called r slash Bets, And this sub is where our story starts.
1: Wall Street Bets um, was a community that I joined many, many years ago, uh, you know, as essentially just another forum for people to talk about finance and economics.
3: This is Nick. He's a Redditor known as Nordy. And he's our math guy.
1: I live in New York City, and I currently work as a middle school math teacher.
3: Nick's given me a behind-the-scenes of the subreddit Wall Street Bets because this is where, back in January 2021, the Reddit community took on Wall Street big dogs like Gabe. Now, r slash Wall Street Bets is a group where people come together to discuss stocks and trading. It has 11.4 million members. Sounds kind of dull. Nuh-uh, says Nick. Anything but.
1: The posts that would get to the top of Wall Street Bets were not, uh, you know, hey, this is a really good strategy for investing your money. You know, this is how to save for retirement. The posts that would get to the top of Wall Street Bets were, hey, I took $100,000, which is my entire retirement savings. I, quote, YOLO'd it into a, a an option, a very high-risk option.
3: Very quickly, for those of you who've been living under a rock for the past 10 years, YOLO means you only live once, meaning, ah, what the heck?
1: And uh, lost all of it. And people would be like, that is so awesome. Uh, And, you know, people would really just kind of celebrate people losing a lot of money. And I thought that that, you know, out of all of the absurdest things that I had come across on the internet, celebrating uh, people losing money was the most absurd and the most ridiculous.
3: I mean, to me, that sounds totally nuts, Nick.
1: You know, to me, it started off as being like, what is this sadistic movement? Um, But eventually I realized...
3: Or masochistic movement.
1: That's what I should have used. Masochistic. That was the word I was thinking of, but I knew that I couldn't say it.
3: Ha. I like this guy.
1: When I first discovered this community, I was like, what is this masochistic movement where people would celebrate their own loss and their own pain? But eventually I realized that the benefit that Wall Street Bets had and the reason that people would post these kind of, you know, ultimately very embarrassing moments of, you know, financial transactions on their end was to become a part of this community and to become celebrated and almost revered by other people because, you know, it's become almost a culture on Wall Street Bets that. That's what they do is they lose money, and making money is, is, is almost a silly thing.
3: Now, this is important. This idea of not taking things seriously? Irony. Jokes. Keep that in mind, because that's going to come up a lot over the next six episodes. So, r slash bets an ironic place to chat about money. This is The Backdrop, the stage for our story. And you're about to meet the main characters. First up is this guy called Keith Gill. We heard him right at the start testifying in court.
0: It is tragic that some people lost money and my heart goes out to them.
3: He's also a Redditor known as deep effing value with effing standing for the obvious. Now, Keith's what they call a retail investor, a normal, independent dude, trading and investing in stocks for his own interest. And he's a little bit of an expert. He's got a whole YouTube channel under the name Roaring Kitty, where he talks about and analyzes stocks. His channel's followed religiously by nearly 550,000 people. And Keith's the reason we're here. In late 2020, Deep Effing Value writes a post on r slash Bets. He talks about this company called GameStop, which is a video game and electronics store. GameStop shares on the stock exchange are worth basically nothing, like $5 a share. And Keith reckons that's way too low. So back in June, he'd started investing in GameStop. He invests 53 grand. By the end of the year, that 53 grand had almost doubled in value. And Keith Gill is showering himself in cash. He posts a photo of his gains on r slash Bets, headed with the comment, YOLO. Let's leave that there a second and meet our second character in this weird play. That's Gabe Plotkin. We also heard him at the start. Mr. Melvin Capital, worth $400 million?
0: But they exploited an opportunity. Us at Melvin will adapt, and I think the whole industry will have to adapt.
3: Remember I said that Gabe makes money by betting on stocks? Well, there's one thing in particular he does called shorting. It's kinda sneaky, and it's the reason he wakes up in January a lot poorer than when he went to bed. Now, I'm no money head, so just like Margot Robbie in that scene in the big short, I'm gonna run a bath, and grab myself a glass of champagne, and give you a rundown. Here is shorting for dummies. The bog-standard way of investing is you put your money into a company you think is going to increase in value, right? You like the look of that pizza over there, you think other people are also going to want a slice, so you buy one, then sell it on later at a higher price, ka-ching. But then there's this thing called short trading, and it works in the totally opposite way. You don't bet on a stock going up in price, you bet on it going down. So. Say you see a pizza that looks kind of gross. It doesn't have any tomato sauce and the cheese is all claggy and stringy and nobody wants it, reject. So it doesn't cost much to buy a slice, only $5. Now, I reckon that pizza is so unappealing, its value is gonna drop even more. So this is what I do. I borrow a slice from the pizza guy, a really untomatoey and stringy, yaky bit, and promise to give it back. I then sell that slice to a friend for uh, $5, which goes straight into my pocket. I sit around, I hang out, I wait for a bit, and guess what? As I'd very cleverly predicted, the pizza's value drops. It's just so disgusting, nobody wants it. So the slice I've just sold for $5 is now only worth three. I buy it back from my friend for $3 and then return it to the pizza guy. Boom, he's got his pizza back and I've just made $2. This is called short selling and it's very risky, but unbelievably, it's pretty common on Wall Street. And in early 2021, Redditors decided to have some fun with it and put the middle finger up to Gabe Plotkin and his finance pals. Here's Nick again.
1: Now, people on Reddit, you know, realized that there was these institutional investors who were really heavily shorting GameStop. And, you know, they realized, you know, that they had an unlimited risk. The more that GameStop went up after they had made those shorts, the more that these institutional investors would have to pay to buy these shares back, to give back to the people who they borrowed from.
3: The fact that Keith Gill, a.k.a. Deep Effing Value, had almost doubled his money on GameStop showed the rest of Reddit they could do the same.
1: And that's exactly what happened, you know, that's exactly what made this thing so popular. People on Reddit were saying, hey, every, you know, couple hundred dollars that I buy into this, I might lose it, I don't know, but somebody out there who's short they have to pay back at some point is going to expire and it's going to cost them a significant amount of money.
3: After he writes that YOLO post, other members of R slash Wall Street Bets pile into the fray, falling over themselves to get a slice of the GameStop pizza. More and more join in, and soon it's absolute chaos. The company's shares rise from $5 in June 2020 to over $500 just seven months later. And Gabe looks on in horror. Because he suddenly owes a lot of pizza guys a lot of pizza money.
1: Technology is fueling this revolution. Congress cannot put technology back in the box. You have basically the David pack of wolves beating the Goliath pack of wolves.
3: It must have been really thrilling to see the conventions upended.
1: Yeah, it really was, you know, thrilling is certainly one way to put it. I just kind of enjoyed, you know, just being part of the movement and just kind of watching something happen. It was, you know, to me, more entertaining than anything on TV, than any book, any podcast, no offense. Ouch. But it was totally absurd to see happen. Totally absurd to see people on CNBC talking about Wall Street bets, people sharing comments from Reddit. It was like worlds were colliding you know there was the very established business world and then there was kind of the anarchist subreddit world and i thought that that was you know one just a really remarkable and beautiful thing to see happen but two like oh my gosh you know what the heck how is this real how is anybody taking this seriously these are just a bunch of really silly people who you know have a very high risk tolerance
3: it seems like the ultimate embodiment of the Reddit mentality of just laughing at things, at poking at conventions, uh, taking a system that is so revered, this whole idea of finance, and it's kind of like the, the ultimate alpha male endeavor. That's a triumph in and of itself.
1: I think it absolutely is a triumph. People don't care about losing money anymore, at least on Reddit, because that that kind of intrinsic insider mentality of wanting to be part of a community, wanting to be part of a group is more powerful than the economic incentives of making or losing money.
3: So this seems pretty kookaloo to me. I mean, the Redditors had no idea if this bet would pull off. And listening to Nick, it sounds more like a joke than anything. Lawless chaos. Who cares if we lose out? YOLO! But somehow, it worked. And that's when, a few days later, that Super Bowl ad appears. Powerful things happen when people rally around something they really care about.
0: Here
3: we go. This is Rob.
0: Test, test. Oh, it's not letting me hear you for some reason through the headset here, but I'll figure it out.
3: Anna, my producer, has been trying to talk to him for about four months, but he's a pretty busy guy and he lives in Vancouver, so the time difference is also kind of tricky.
0: My name is Rob Alam. I'm 35 years old and I'm a media consultant.
3: We're chatting to him to get an idea if Reddit really is lawless chaos. And Rob's the guy to talk to. If you've ever been near Reddit, you'll know his name.
0: Absolutely did use Reddit heavily for a long time, and it almost kind of uh, redefined the trajectory of my life, let's just say.
3: <laughs> I'm calling him Rob, but you might know him by his Reddit handle. He's known on there as user Gallo Boob.
0: And that is like Gallo Boob, the word boob. So it, it honestly is the stupidest name. I used to have a character on World of Warcraft called Gallo. And one day I was like, all right, cool, I'll use this word. And I'm thinking, okay, let's try to appeal to their audience and, you know, use a funny username. I failed miserably by adding the word boob to it.
3: Rob had been on Reddit for a couple of years when in 2016, an article was published in Forbes. After years of mystique and questions, The article revealed that user Galloboob was this guy, Rob Ellum, a 30-something former landscape architect. It was the biggest reveal in the site's history. Why? Because Rob's the Reddit whisperer. He's the site's most prolific user, who up until then had been completely anonymous. His posts get tens of thousands of upvotes. And at some point, he was king of Reddit's leaderboard for karma, which are just virtual points that Redditors give each other.
0: It makes my day seeing real people show up and then the audiences react to these real people in the most healthy, positive way. Just celebration, not conflict. Just mild celebration that that often aren't, you know, like this camp or that camp or Team A or Team B, just human human interactions and celebration.
3: In Rob's first year as a Redditor, about seven years ago, he gained a million karma points. Now, that won't mean much to you or me, but he tells me that was a lot for back then. Okay, so I have some questions. If a million points in one year is so extraordinary, how was he doing it?
0: Oh, spending a long, long time online. Just being one of those two online people, picking up trends as they've start, I, I guess I ended up doing that so much that I became well-versed in, in I guess, well-versed in um, the internet, you know, and communities and how they behave, what they like, what they don't like. I think back then I was integrating Reddit in my hobbies. So like whenever I would open my phone to check, you know, a feed and I would spend about four to five hours, like four or five hours a day, just, just refreshing Reddit and why oh i'm going to answer that in like one word gratification <laughs> instant gratification fine two words and that was it like early on figuring out that oh so many comments and engagement and emotions i'm making people you know feel something react to something i am doing it
3: I ask Rob about the kind of things he's posting. He tells me his most upvoted post was this one.
0: This man jogged two miles through this, his neighborhood carrying a TV in his hand to prove that looking like a suspect who committed a robbery isn't good enough excuse to the murder of Ahmad Arbery.
3: Ahmad Arbery was a black man killed by three white men when he was jogging through a neighborhood in Georgia early 2021. Seems like kind of a crass reference, but people loved it. It gets 237,000 upvotes. Soon, Rob becomes a moderator. These guys are important, and we're going to come back to them later. For now, you just need to know that they're users who have special powers within certain subreddits. They basically run the show. They can block users, they can make and enforce rules, and they can delete posts. How many subs are there again?
0: I can Google it real quick. How many subreddits are there? Um, 2.8 million subreddits. Cool. I was off mark there. So that's a lot.
3: And remember what Amelia said. A subreddit is a community who can come together around anything. Trees, weed, knitting, podcasts. Out of those 2.8 million subs, Rob's a moderator on 100, which means he's watching over the words of 60 million people. So there is a structure and that's a lot of power. But back in January 2021, in the middle of the GameStop saga, the moderators on r slash Bets were barely keeping up. Post, 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 losses, wins, losses, wins. It was fantastic, exciting mayhem. We're gonna take a quick break here, and after that, Rob's back, and we're finding out how this whole David-Goliath fist fight came a-tumbling down.
2: and Bruce Lee Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app You've seen them tell stories Now it's time to tell theirs
3: This is .com Reddit land Welcome back I'm going to tell you a short story It's the story of how Reddit came to be Back in 2005, two college roommates from the University of Virginia had an idea. We want to make the world suck less, they said. We want to create the front page of the internet. They were called Alexis Ohanian and Steve Huffman. Steve, you've already heard. Madam Chairwoman, Mr. Ranking Member, honorable members of the committee. And Alexis, you might know because of his wife, Serena Williams, yeah. There's a third guy called Aaron, but he's a tale for later. So, Steve and Alexis, two highly ambitious, but kind of winging it 22-year-olds, secure funding. And boom, in June 2005, Reddit.com is launched. We describe Reddit as the most human place on the internet. According to Steve. Today, Reddit is worth over $9.6 billion. It has 52 million daily users, who last year alone wrote 2.6 billion comments. And here's the incredible thing. Those comments, it's not just chat. They're more than just simple words. They're spilling out into the real world, into our banks, onto Wall Street, and into the heart of American politics. So, we’re talking about GameStop. We’ve got our stage, the subreddit Wall Street bets and our two main characters: Keith Gill, Deep Effing Value, and the redditors on one side, and Gay Plotkin and Wall Street on the other. And the outer world, the audience, is watching very closely.
4: I mean, I think there has been a slow buildup of the greater non-internet-obsessed world realizing that what happens on the internet in terms of discussions, in terms of posting content, can very much have a a real-world impact for good or for bad.
3: This is Fernando. He lives in Georgia and is a reporter for CNN. His full name is Fernando Alfonso III, which is pretty great. I have to know, is there a first and second?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. My father's second and my grandfather was the first. Yeah, he, my grandfather's from Puerto Rico. So the reason in journalism, you're not really supposed to use like suffices like junior or the third or the fourth or what have you. Being like a person of color uh, and coming from a family of like non-journalists and things like that, I always like really insisted upon having the third in my byline.
3: So, like Amelia, Fernando loves Reddit. He got into it in the early years and enjoyed watching what he calls a ragtag group of people post early memes and share stories with each other. His current favorite sub is...
4: So that obviously changes all the time. I think the sub that I'm currently uh, really enjoying is the anti-work sub. I hear ya. Here in the States, that has become a rallying cry almost for workers' rights. And uh, it has been incredibly refreshing to see people rage quit jobs, to hold their bosses accountable, to get more money out of businesses, you know.
3: Fernando realized pretty early on Reddit was teeming with unbelievable human stories. So he started reporting on the site for the Daily Dot. And he was one of the first people to prick up their ears in early 2021 when he noticed a lot of noise spilling out of the subreddit Wall Street Bets.
4: I was actually living in an apartment down here in Atlanta at the time and one of the my rituals every night would be reading Wall Street bets and looking at the top posts for the day and looking through the comments. And as you saw the price of GameStop creep up and up and up and up every day, it was almost unreal to see that because this was a, a video game retail company. You know, this is not Tesla. This is not you know, Microsoft, this is not Amazon, this is a, a retailer largely frequented by children to buy video games with their parents or teenagers, you know. To, to see these ragtag group of retail investors on a place like Reddit boosting a stock for, um, you know, a company that's well beyond its its glory days, uh, it was really poetic.
3: I'm talking to Fernando about the aftermath of the short squeeze. We know that Gabe and his pals lost a lot of money, billions of dollars. Melvin Capital sustained losses of 52%, remember. It was the craziest win for the little guy. But as cool as it was that David managed to hit Goliath, I wonder if Goliath is actually so huge and so powerful. Those billions of dollars are actually just tiny little mosquito bites that stung Goliath for like a second, but that he quickly forgot about because ever heard of a mosquito killing a giant?
4: You know, there's a reason why they're colloquially known as, you know, masters of the universe, right? Is because they have at their disposal data points and, and access to information that ordinary people do not. And yes, you know while Melvin and others may have lost billions uh, that month, that quarter, what have you, the actual reality of a lot of these organizations are they use they sometimes lose billions on any on any other quarter.
3: It's now a year since the GameStop short squeeze happened, and Fernando points out that we haven't seen a similar thing happen since.
4: You know, essentially, their hands are truly on the levers of the financial world and and, and the world of trading and securities and all that. These organizations, these companies, uh, like Melvin, are run by very intelligent people. So it would not surprise me that they have altered their trading habits to account for, you know, these kind of roguish type retail investors.
3: So what he's saying is, cool, good job, Reddit, you did great, but enjoy it while it lasts because it ain't going to happen again. But here's the thing. David may be a lot smaller than Goliath, but we should still keep a beady little eye on him. He may be small, but he can still pack a punch.
4: You have people more eager sometimes to post online than to even engage in a real-world conversation, right? You have people who would rather post a video or a photo on Twitter or Facebook, TikTok, on Reddit, than sit and have a real-world interaction.
3: And we're still finding out if, overall, that's a good or bad thing.
4: I think from a journalistic perspective, it's really fascinating. I think from a societal perspective, you know, I have a young son, you know, do I want him to grow up in a world where anybody can post whatever they want whenever they want to the masses? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it can be stopped necessarily, but I think at best these companies need to stand up and realize they need to be really paying attention to who these people are and what they're doing and what consequence their content may have on the real world.
3: This has all got me thinking about the connection between our real and our virtual worlds, because we're up to our necks in stories about how the internet is changing our lives, and people are losing jobs because of things they post online, et cetera, et cetera. But this GameStop thing, I've never heard a story of this ilk before. We've got Rob back on the phone. Hello, hello. He's a little late.
0: Sorry for this. I've been like in a tax meeting all morning, so you can imagine my mood.
3: (laughs) But we're chatting again because I want to ask him something. In our first conversation, the talk turned to some of the murkier sides of Reddit. And that's not a story for right now. But all you need to know is we'd started talking about the alt-right and white supremacy on Reddit when Rob makes this comment.
0: Before we get into it, uh, not to get political at all, because like, trust me when I say that I don't care is that I don't care. I grew up in a third world country where the system never worked. Like, we, it, basically, I don't believe in that kind of support. Therefore, I'm hardly able to choose sides. I'm also, I've been traveling all my life. So like, I've, I don't have any ground to stand on.
3: And then he calls himself this.
0: Culturally, kind of a bastard since I've been everywhere. and I don't have, you know, like a, an HQ yet.
3: He doesn't have an HQ. Huh. Rob's part Greek, part Lebanese. He speaks English, French, and Arabic fluently. He grew up between Greece and Lebanon, his family moving around so much partly because of his dad's job.
0: But most likely it was due to war. That's, I always try to avoid saying it, but yeah, we had to like escape the country once. And then once again, we still have a house in Lebanon or, or like a mountain house with my grandparents that are no longer with us. But Lebanon was so chaotically disrupted that we had to leave all this behind and we kind of scattered. Like my sister went for work wherever she found it. I went for work and education wherever I found it.
3: Rob eventually winds up in the U.K. and studies in Manchester in the northwest of England. He qualifies as a landscape architect, a job that's all about the physical environment, but he soon gives this up as he becomes more and more interested in the online, anti-physical world. It's not long before Rob, the Reddit whisperer, is so good at identifying online behaviors and trends that he's being picked up by companies like Lad Bible, who all want a piece of his know-how. And it's in this digital world where the landscape is replaced by pixels that he meets Morgan.
0: So met my partner on Reddit on a comment section randomly one day. It was a silly picture, I think, where I posted a selfie and it was a, it was a questionable selfie. Like through it was a funny, funny selfie, but like it was probably a topless selfie or something. It was a, a subreddit competition. I think it was rpix or something. And I posted that picture. It was a funny picture. And it ended up winning. And then my, my now wife, who was a random, <laughs> a random username back then, commented something silly, like nice abs," And she made that joke. And I was like receptive to it. And we ended up just talking, I think, after two years or so. And we talked more along the lines of like, I've been talking to you for so long. I like you. And... Yeah, we were both kind of afraid we were catfishing each other, you know, when we met for the first time. But she was real. I still have my kidneys and we're good.
3: (laughs) Ha! So for Rob, Reddit's got a lot to answer for.
0: I have met my wife on Reddit and I have met a lot of my close online friends on Reddit. I have learned a trade on Reddit. So having said that, I would say Reddit changed my life because... I am working now in the media field as a community and like media expert. That is a thing that I have access to that I know today that I couldn't have had in a million years if I went to university, you know, and studied this. But it was just being on Reddit for too long that that got me here.
3: I've just thought of something though. I'm listening to Rob talk about how the bricks of Reddit have slowly built the foundations of his entire life. His wife, one brick. His livelihood, a few more. His fame, even more. His other identity, gallow boob. His sense of humor, even. Brick on top of brick on top of brick. And here's my thought. In the absence of a physical HQ, in being turfed out of his home country by the atrocity of war, does Rob think he's made the web Reddit his HQ?
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I do, but that's not a good feeling, exactly. Like, I would trade that in a heartbeat for a physical HQ. In person, maybe you enjoy being with a friend at 100%. Physically, on a couch, drinking, laughing, that is about like 10 or less than 10% the impact it would have if we were just hanging online. As much as it can be fun, it feels like just another, what's the word, not like another conversation, it feels like another short session and people are, just not the same when they're online. I am not the same when I'm online. I'm slightly the same, but I'm not the exact same person.
3: I began this journey into the world of Reddit with the story of Wall Street Bets and GameStop an incredible, true story of David versus Goliath, the seemingly powerless few having a laugh and messing with the puppeteers who pull the financial strings. So that's a cool story. But there's a different side to this whole thing that's pricked up my ears. Just like all the weird, fascinating corners of our existence that I'm looking at in this series, Reddit only exists online. It's only real as long as there's electricity coming through the power socket. But despite that, it can, and it does, really, truly mess with the world. That's enough to screw with your head. But Rob's opened up a door to a totally different corridor, something I hadn't thought of before. Rob has no base in this world of buildings and trees and bodies. He's made his home on the web. But something we're all starting to realize is how different people are when they're online. And Rob says even he's different online. But if the digital world is where your HQ is, what does that do to a person? Next time on .com.
0: I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian family.
3: We're going a step deeper into the Reddit psyche.
1: Definitely felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. I kind of felt lied to, to be honest.
3: Reddit can change lives, not only on Wall Street and in the macro, but deep, deep within. .com is a Crowd Network original and is presented by me, Katie Puckrick. It's written and produced by Anna Stauffenberg and is edited by Crawford Blair. The music we use is from our partners, BMG Production Music. And if you want another crowd podcast to listen to, I've got the perfect one. It's called Murder in House 2. If you love true crime podcast, you'll love this. It's taken 15 years to make, and it's about a group of U.S. Marines who went into a village in the Iraq War and killed 24 innocent civilians, a lot of them women and children. It's an unbelievable story, and you'll hear top-secret, never-before-heard recordings. Check it out. Just search for Murder in House 2 in your podcast app. Thanks for listening. See you next week.